This is a song I wrote. I want to write a song like a Jimi Hendrix song, you know? Back in the 60s, he was one of my idols, Jimi Hendrix, man. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. The start of the now is called Shameless. Well, I'm shameless When it comes to loving you I'll do anything you want me to I'll do anything at all And I'm standing Here for all the world to see Oh, there ain't that much left for me That is very far too far You know I'm not a man Never been insecure about the world I've been living in. I don't break easy. I have my pride, but if you need to be satisfied, I'm shameless. Maybe I don't have a prayer. Every time I see you standing there, I go down upon my knees. Good evening, all, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z as we continue our songs, beginning with the letter S, which brings us today to the strange song, Shameless. Why strange? Well, I think it's the only song Billy Joel wrote where someone else is known better for singing the song. Shameless appears as the fifth and final song off of side one of Billy's 11th studio album entitled Stormfront. You know, lots of Billy Joel purists might not care for Stormfront, the album. But did you know they released that entire first side of the album as singles? Every song off that first side was released as a single. Shameless was actually the seventh and final song released as a single. It only lasted six weeks on the Billboard charts and peaked at number 40 on January 18th, 1992. Also, it's possible it only got released because of the success of the Garth Brooks version. We'll figure that out shortly. The Garth Brooks version of the song did go on to number one, but only on the stupid country charts, which, quite frankly, Alon, one of your parodies could probably go to number one on the country charts if we just add a little twang to them. Yeehaw! <laughs> Shameless also appears on live at Chase Stadium with Garth Brooks and Greatest Hits Volume 3. So, again, this song is strange as it is, <laughs> for some reason, not really even known as a Billy Joel song at this point. So where does it come in in the rankings? Christopher Bonanos, where does he rank his New York Magazine rankings out of 121 songs? This song called Shameless. I think he's going to put it right where uh, right in the year where Garth Brooks released it. I'm going to say 91. Yeah, now he puts it a little higher at 60. And then he says, no piano. What? <laughs> and then he says, better known, perhaps for the Garth Brooks cover version. And if you don't hate that Nashville sound, a good one. Of course, we're talking to somebody that hates that Nashville sound. Glenn Gamboa puts it at 29. I'm, I'm losing respect for this guy. Yeah, and he says, but but he's saying Garth Brooks took it to the top of the country charts with only the slightest of changes. So he might be referring to the Garth Brooks version. And the fans rank it at 49, which, again, is way too high. 
The fact of the matter, Alon, is that I hate this song. I've always hated this song. And it probably has to do with the Garth Brooks version. I, everybody knows, I, Paul Lauren can tell you, I do not like <laughs> country music. I've never liked country music. I don't understand country music. And there you could say, well, perhaps, Dave, just, you just don't understand country music. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's a part of the America that I just don't understand why anybody would like it. But this is somebody that, you know, worships Duran Duran. So we all have different opinions. But the thing is, when I first heard this song again, the Billy Joel version, which I had forgotten because the Garth Brooks one is in all of our heads because it was so popular and crossed over. I I like the opening. I just didn't remember it. It's it's not that horrible song, the Billy Joel version. We just none of us are familiar with the Billy Joel version. And so in re-listening to this, it wasn't horrible. But unfortunately, Garth Brooks ruined it for me completely. See, for me, I, I really did not know the Garth Brooks version of this song. I was too young to be listening to number one country songs. So <laughs> so I got I went into this episode thinking, like, let me just hear the Billy Joel one a few times and really get to know the original. And then I'll start listening to the Garth Brooks one. Um, but I still don't really like the song too much, even though I started with the Billy Joel version of it. Uh, I don't know. I think what he was trying to do, which was to write a Jimi Hendrix style ballad, just to- he totally misses the mark on that. Like, th- this doesn't remind me of Jimi Hendrix at all. No, I couldn't even believe he said that. I couldn't believe he had the nerve to say that. It, it doesn't. Yes, you're abs- this is not. We usually always agree with whatever he's doing. In fact, I believe last week we were talking about Shades of Grey. Did we see the resemblance in the cream song? Absolutely. This Jimi Hendrix. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, maybe like David Brown's guitar solo is Hendrix like, and it's a pretty cool solo. I'll give him that. But like the rest of the song, I don't really hear it at all. And usually Billy will kind of put a little bit of a tone of that guy's singing into his voice. You know, so if he's doing like a Ray Charles style song, he'll sound like Ray Charles. And in this, even in the Q and A's about this song, he gives it a little bit more of a Hendrix voice to it but it's a pretty bad Hendrix impersonation. I think that's the problem here. We can't even discuss the fact that it's any Hendrix related. I mean, why even bring it up? Because he's way off, like you said, as you exactly said, way off the mark on that. There's maybe he hears it every time, but certainly we don't. I don't think anyone does. And the the funny thing about this song and it being overtaken by this other artist who, again, you know, he's country music. You don't consider that an artist. I'm telling you, Elon, one of your parodies could make it if we added music to it, to the country list. Do you know what I always remember about country music is that there's a song. I'll never forget it. it Might have come out in the 80s or early 90s. And it's called I'm going to have a wino decorate my house. Uh huh. Have you ever heard of that song? No, I'll never forget it because I thought somebody was joking. And it was a huge hit for whoever the hell sings it. She said, I'm going hire a wino to decorate our home. So you'll feel more at ease here and you won't need to roam. We'll take out the dining room table. We'll put a bar along that wall. And a neon sign will point the way to our bathroom down the hall. I'm going to have a wino come and decorate my house. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then when you hear it, you're you're still like, how is this? How is this a hit? What is happening over there? And what are we considering? Where is country music? Only in Nashville? 
Is it only one state that listens to this? I, I, I don't understand. I'll never understand. What I do understand is that when people don't have any talent, they go to country music. Like, you know, Marsha from the Brady Bunch somehow has country music hits because she stinks. So it's very easy <laughs> to become a country music star. I believe with all my heart, as long as nobody listens to any of my podcasts or this episode, I could become a country music star. God, I was watching American Idol and this guy, Scotty McQueary. Yeah, that was super a, deep voice. Remember that guy? Yeah. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding. And he won. He won it all. And, and I'm he locked like, the door and turned the lights <laughs> down low. <laughs> that was his audition. And it was so deep and he looked so dorky. It was hilarious. I mean, it just says to me, the rest of America is just depressed and sad and lonely. There's nothing uplifting about a country song. The only person that has come out of country that is the greatest is Dolly Parton. And she is the shit. And uh, that's about where it ends for me. Well, look, country is huge. It's much bigger than you think. It's not just in Nashville. It's coming to New York. I think we have a country station here. I don't think we have a rock station anymore. We do. So um, and I, there's a lot of variety. I think we all pigeonhole it as just like one thing, which Billy Joe talks about, actually, when he talks about this song, how he used to always think of country as just being this redneck music. But then he like learned to appreciate that there are. Is well, I'll tell you why he it. learned to appreciate it. I'll tell you exactly why he learned to appreciate it. And he mentions it at that Q&A session in 95 in Nuremberg, Germany, which, of course, he shouldn't have been at anyway. But uh, <laughs> now that we know he's a rabbinical student, uh, thank you very much. Call back to last week again. He told the crowd he was grateful to Garth Brooks for bringing the song to song to country fans because many had never heard Billy Joel's music before. So by this becoming a hit, he just garnered all these new fans who were like, well, let me see what else Billy Joel has. So in that sense, of course, he now likes country music. He's like, oh, I, I just made another couple of million thanks to Garth Brooks, let alone just for the song being successful, but getting gaining all these other fans in other places of where he probably wouldn't have. You know, they probably like Allentown. You know, they like all those sad, depressing songs. Yeah, right. They, I think Billy's music totally could fit with a country fan. And that's why, uh, you know, Garth Brooks talks about how like he was inspired by Billy Joel. He kind of got rediscovered Billy Joel and they went back and he became, I guess, a huge fan. It, it seemed like he really likes Billy. It, it wasn't like a thing where it was a cash grab where some country guy was just like, oh, let me just sing a Billy Joel song. It seemed like Garth actually is a true fan. And he even named Stormfront as his favorite album of all time. Well, Again, I agree <laughs> that, that there. I, I think what happened is it was a cash grab and then he went back into the music. What was it? No, I know what it was. He says the exact story. He was in one of those Columbia House record clubs that we were all in. If you're my age and you would sign up and they would just keep sending you albums or I guess CDs in his case or eight tracks in mine uh, until you cancel. It was like having a gym membership. You couldn't get out of it. And they, they always be billing you. But each album just cost a penny. So you could really get your collection together with this Columbia House record collection. And that's how he got Stormfront. You know, he just came home one day and all these albums were at his house and Stormfront was one of them. So I guess, you know, he heard Shameless. He goes, this will make a good country song. And then he went to the back catalog like we all talk about the way we do with Billy Joel. So I do believe he is a, a true fan. I, I, I do. I believe that entirely now. But I think it's fascinating that this song so took off because of Garth Brooks that when I was listening to Billy Joel sing it live at the Boston Garden in 1993, he pretty much changed the song as if now he's doing the Garth Brooks version and even sings like Garth Brooks. I mean, I've never heard of 
anything like that before where the guy who originally wrote the song seems to like the other version better and now records it more in that vein. It's like when um, if you're watching something like Game of Thrones and maybe you read the books first and you imagine what the characters look like in your head and then you watch the TV show and now you see the actors as the characters. So now when you go back to the books, you imagine the actors faces and not whatever you originally pictured it as. So Billy Joel is like just picturing Garth Brooks's version now because it became the definitive version of the song. Isn't that funny? I guess that an author can be turned around. I'm sure J.K. Rowling probably if she was to write another Harry Potter book, she probably has Daniel Radcliffe in her mind while writing. You're right. It does take an effect. I guess I never thought about it musically, but that's a good analogy because that makes a lot of sense. You're talking a few minutes ago about how like Billy Joel, of course, would be reverential to this Garth Brooks version because it made him a lot of money. It reminds me of that time when uh, when and the Simpsons, when they have the movie festival, the film festival and then crust and they're judging like which film should be the winner. And Krusty votes for Mr. Burns's movie. And he says, let's just say it moved me to a bigger house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember. Didn't Barney win? Yeah, Barney's was artistically was a great film, but half the people were voting for Mr. Burns' movie because he paid them off. Right, right, right. And Homer was a deciding vote. Well, I thought it was funny when on one of those Q&As, I think it was the Nuremberg one, when Billy's talking about how he used to feel about country music, he actually plays that country song, which we've I think we've come across it before, which he wrote back in the 70s. And it's just him being like it's a real stereotypical, like, I'm a redneck hippie, blah, 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 you know. My, this is, I call this my first impression of country Western music. Okay. Now, I grew up in New York City. There was no country western music radio in New York City. Uh, this is my first impression. Go. My first impression of country western music. <laughs> well, I went into town the other night to see if I could start a fight. I felt so mean that I was going nuts. Well, I felt so downright mean, you see, that when some dude bumped into me, I went and I stuck a pitchfork in his guts. Well, I ain't no hippie commie fag, I pledge allegiance to the flag. I don't believe that college kids should vote. And if you don't agree with me, well, I'll just see the I'll have to punch your teeth right down your throat. So that was my first impression. Do you see when he sings that? No. And if I did, I probably would have turned it off. But I will tell you this, Alon. It's weird that I think he was so obsessed with this being a country song in a good way. Because if we keep talking about it, that Billy pretty much didn't we decide that Street Life Serenade was a country Western album? (laughs) Yeah, it totally is. So he liked it back then. He was doing it. So how upset was he that somebody else actually recorded a hit with everything he wanted to do his entire existence for some reason? But he was happy about it because, like he says, he always wanted to be a songwriter. So the idea that someone else could take one of his songs that he's written and make it successful is still a big thrill for him. I'm sure it is. And I understand that. And I know he's always talked about that. And I like that. And it's kind of weird that it never happened before or since. And it's weird that the Barbara Streisand, New York State of Mind or the Bette Midler, whatever version that was of something that none of them became hits hits, because I think he would have been really thrilled. And who wouldn't be? Because it is 
exciting when somebody likes your song that much that they you know want to re-record it. But what I'm saying is this guy was trying to press us with his Western motif and we weren't buying it. And then I was thinking maybe he's angry. He's like, but you get this guy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's the way I'm looking at. I it. think at this point, after it's like eight albums in the future that have been super successful, he probably was like, yeah, whatever. That, <laughs> it wasn't for me, that music. I just feel like there's one day he's sitting around the piano and he's got that Street Life Serenade album cover out. And he's like, really? Nobody liked any of the songs off this album. Really? <laughs> <laughs> he would, because I think he holds grudges. So I think you're right. Exactly. And that's why we love him, too. This song helped Garth Brooks be able to do a concert in Central Park in 1997. If not for this crossover song, he's not playing New York City. And I'm pretty sure Billy Joel joined him on stage for that as well. So they switched off. But again, if not for Billy Joel, Garth Brooks, yes, he's a huge country star. He'll always be a huge country star. But the crossover and the wealth and riches that come with it would not be attainable if not for the great Billy Joel. Yeah, I think that's true because as someone who doesn't listen to country music, and I think you probably feel the same way, like Garth Brooks was always a name that everyone knows. Even if we don't listen to his music, we all knew, oh, Garth Brooks. If you had to name a country guy in the 90s, you would say Garth Brooks. I don't think his music ever really crossed over too much, honestly, but I think just it gave him the recognition because of this one song that did cross over that uh, we all knew who he was. Yeah, this is the only song that crossed over, but that's all you need. And it was huge. And again, here we are doing a Billy Joel podcast. And at least for me, I only remember the Garth Brooks version. So it was huge. And it was a huge song. And it was on the radio in a normal radio in New York City, which prompted him to actually do a concert in Central Park, which is usually saved for, you know, Simon and Garfunkel and Springsteen. So That is when you know you have somehow crossed over, even if it's just one song. Yeah, I I was so surprised. I remember when that happened. I was just a kid. My dad went to the concert. He got tickets through his work. Not that he likes country music either, but whatever. It was a thing to do. It was an event. Yeah. And I was like surprised that that many people showed up because I was like, this is going to show up 12 people to a country guy in Central Park. Yep. No, it was an event. And, uh, you know, that that's the thing, too. Even if you didn't like them, you're like, well, this sounds unbelievable. This may never happen again with a country music star selling out Central Park. I mean, seriously, that's unbelievable. Maybe you could see a country star selling out the uh, cafe uh, Central Perk in Friends <laughs> um, with a version of Smelly Cat, but that's probably where it ends. Here's something for you, Alon. In 2020, Garth Brooks won a Library of Congress Gershwin Award for the song Shameless. Do you want to explain how that's possible, how he could win a Gershwin Award for a song he didn't write? It makes no sense to me. And it's also like when he got inducted into the Songwriter Hall of Fame and then he and Billy Joel sang this song, which is not a song that he wrote. Uh, uh, Yes. Okay, great. As long as we're on the same page here. So he wins the Gershwin Award for some reason, which, of course, should be a writing award. But he gets in because of Shameless. And then Chris Stapleton sings Shameless. So Chris Stapleton is singing a song he didn't write. But that's I, it's very confusing. And I just put uh, on my notes, WTF. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We should also talk about how much of a dork Garth Brooks is. Like, how is this guy a megastar? He was bald when he was like 20 years old already. So he's got doesn't have good hair. He gets on stage dressed like a rodeo cowboy with those like awful rodeo shirts and t- tucked into his jeans. 
I was watching that live show from 1991 and he's holding a rose while he's singing the song, which is just the dorkiest thing ever. Uh, you know, if you're the lead singer, and you're not playing the instruments like hold a tambourine or something, a, a rose at, and he's well, it, pounding his chest to show how much he how much emotion he has for it. It's worse than that, Alon. I think he's so out of shape. All he ever does is like he's sitting all the time. He's always on the steps and just wait like he doesn't move around. <laughs> he's yeah. like so out of breath. He's always just s- sitting on the stage. Well, this one, he was standing at least just like Billy stands when he sings this one. But the best part of that show is then at the end, they show the audience clapping. And then you see it's George and Barbara Bush. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great reveal. It's like this great performance. And then all of a sudden, there's the president and his wife. Yeah. And all because of this song. Yeah, right. They they wouldn't be seen dead at some. uh, No, they would. They like. I mean, it's good, for their, got... it's good for the Republican voters for them to be at a country music concert. That's true. But I mean, again, think about what this song, this Billy Joel song that we don't care for, did for this one dude and his career. It's fascinating, really. Yeah. I mean, we can't say that it was his beginning of his career, right? He already no, had, no, seven, no. He had 17 number ones before. Yeah, this, yeah I no, I'm saying, you, 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 yeah, but there's a hundred of those country stars we've never heard of. You know, there's, there's, there's Garth Brooks, there's Randy Travis and Dolly Parton. You know, that we, you and I living in New York City and you growing up in New York City might know their names and maybe one song. And when I said Randy Travis in there, I don't know where that came from. You probably don't know anything he's ever written, but we know one Garth Brooks song and we know one Dolly Parton song apiece. And there's a hundred thousand other country stars that are so popular, they would be stopped in the street and mauled. And we have no idea who they are. So if it was not for Billy Joel, you and I would definitely not know who Garth Brooks was. And I don't think uh, Barbara and uh, George Bush would know either. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. You don't know more than one Garth Brooks? You don't know Friends in Low Places? No, I do not. That's 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 his classic song. Who gives a crap? That's his scenes from an Italian restaurant. He stinks. And if he was here today, I'd tell him to his face. Well, Dave, we have a surprise for you. <laughs> you were supposed to say, Dave, you know damn well you are two-faced and you would never do that. And I'm like, you are so right. If he was here right now, I'd be like, oh my God, I am such a fan of your work. Yeah, you'd be like, 14 number one albums, 50 million records sold. How do you do it, Mr. Brooks? Well, I'm definitely a fan of the fact that, you know, he was just able to, anybody that's able to maintain, I mean, this happened in 1991 or two, and he's still popular. You got to respect that. That's always a, a career like that. 20, 30 years long. That's why we celebrate Billy Joel right now. And he hasn't come out with a new album in 40 years. Yeah, right. And I think Garth is touring a lot also right now. So he's sort of like the Billy Joel of country where people are still coming out to see him because I think he still puts out new stuff, though. Oh, well, I don't listen to it. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> well, for other reason. Well, apparently this song is uh, about somebody who's so in love with a woman. He makes a fool out of himself and he can't help himself. He says it's out of my hands. And we've all been there. Well, I have. I don't know about you. Like I said, you got married early. So I have been so enamored. I can't say in love because I always think it's lust the way I've been with these particular women. I never know whether it's actual love. Certainly feels like love. Uh, And then, you know, whether things run its course or whatever, I'm like, maybe it wasn't love. And this happens to all of us. and We act foolish and we do stupid stuff. But I this song so doesn't speak to me. I didn't even notice that was what it was about. What do you just picture when you were hearing the song? I actually thought it was when they said shame. I just thought it was about a guy that was a dick to a girl. Yeah, (laughs) I wasn't listening to the lyrics. I was so down on the melody. I couldn't even concentrate on the lyrics. 
Well, they're, uh, yeah, they're not the best lyrics. They're okay. I feel like Billy does this a lot. In a way, I guess this could be considered a song about Christy Brinkley. So good for him for writing uh, another song about her. That well, that's yeah. I could definitely see myself being obsessed about it. I didn't even think about that. You know, it, it, that's that. That's how bad this song is for me. I didn't even think it was about something about Christy Brinkley because it's just so slow and and just useless for me personally. But you know, again, this is why this was probably the last song on side one. It's not supposed to be a hit. It's a throwaway song, and then it just became a hit because Garth Brooks found it. He's and that's what most people should probably do when they're looking for a song from a. Uh, a group, you know, take the, the last one off side one. That's always the throwaway one. <laughs> and that's what um, Paul Young did with uh, Hall and Oates. Every time you go, you take a piece of me with you. You know that song? No, no. I think every time, every time you go. That's a, that was a Hall and Oates song. You, it, see? Wow. Exactly. So, it, yeah, it was off a Hall and Oates album. And this guy, Paul Young, took it. You've seen it in uh, Planes, Trains and Automobiles and uh, a bunch of other John Hughes movies. And it was a hit, hit, a big hit song by this guy, Paul Young, who, you know, in our world was never heard from again, even though I think he was part of Squeeze, maybe or something. And just took, a you know, the last song off side one of one of the Hall and Oates earlier albums. And then Hall and Oates started playing it in concert because... It was everybody wanted to hear it now. Yeah. And maybe they did a Billy Joel and re-released it as a single years they, later. They didn't because the, the the it's their version just wasn't as good as the actual this Paul Young version, which is very good. Mm-hmm. If we can't go any farther, that is it is a good song. And they he changed it. If you listen to the original, it's it's just not very good. But this guy found just like Garth Brooks did, he made a couple of changes and just found a new way to do it i'm surprised it doesn't happen more often and maybe it does and we're just not aware of it that came off the top of my head it's the first one i can remember We got to look at now every album now, like last song of side one <laughs> and then see if your theory bears out You're like, oh, my God, 40 percent of these songs have been re-released by other <laughs> artists as singles. Well, since there's no side ones anymore, we'll, we'll never know. We'll have to, we'll have to go back. Thing. Back catalog. Yes. So, Alon, if we're talking about live stats, the album Stormcrum comes out in 89. He does the tour. I've seen that tour. I saw it twice, I think, on that tour because I was so obsessed with We Didn't Start the Fire. And I have stories about that when we get to that. <laughs> does he play Shameless during that time or does he play it after the Garth Brooks one, which is two years later after the album's released? Uh, then does he start playing it because it's successful? No, he was playing it on the Stormfront tour. He's played it 50 times total. It's the 56th most played song. And he played it 36 of those 50 times was on the Stormfront tour. So he's only played it 14 times since then. So actually, since the Garth Brooks thing, Billy basically hasn't done it at all. Not a lot. He only plays it when he's in the South. So this is where he's played it 
since um, 1993. Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Texas, and that one show at Shea Stadium. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, that makes a heck of a lot of sense. That makes so much sense. It's like going where, where he thought uh, playing uh, Honesty in France was a good plan because, you know, and then doing Cafe uh, or uh, Sete Trois. Like, well, yeah. the French love me. Uh, so that is smart, though, to do it down there. But it also makes sense to not do it since it's now somebody else's song. It does make sense. But I'm surprised he played it in the initial Stormfront tour. I guess he liked it even before Garth picked it up. Because he, at that point, he didn't know it was actually a country song. He still thought this is a rock and Jimi Hendrix tribute, which is great for live because his guitarist can be wailing out in the guitar. Yeah, but I still remember not liking it even when he was playing it on tour. I believe that was a bathroom song for me. Mm, yeah. Now, I can, I can give you the live stats for Garth Brooks. Yeah, sure. So this is Garth's 11th most played song. He's played it 131 times. And he plays it pretty much every show in the last few years. It's become a staple of his concerts. Is this his biggest hit of all time? No, Friends in Low Places is his biggest hit. Okay, whatever that is. (laughs) Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yeah, let's see what we got today. When we did Rosalinda or the other one, what it was uh we said how garth brooks appeared on empty nest thanks to shameless you know he ain't appearing on a network show if it's not if he doesn't have a hit all over the country he was actually on the show to promote his new nbc special that year called this is garth brooks it is half documentary and half concert footage again he wouldn't have that special if not for billy joel just that's a whole aside about an hour in, they show him coming out on stage as the show opens to another Billy Joel song. Can you name what song he comes out to start his concert with? Okay, um, let's see. What would be a good sh- uh, song to open up with? My Life? No, and I will tell you that they've done this together before. They did it in Central Park. New York State of Mind. No. It's still rock and roll to me? No. And it's there's no rhyme or reason of why they do it and why Garth chose to also include this Billy Joel song in his act, which I think he does frequently. Uh, there's no way to guess, I guess. I mean, it's out of the blue. I'll just tell you what it is. It's You may be right. Interesting. And he opens, he comes out on stage to it. And uh, it just doesn't add up. I, I, I don't understand. And I mean, it may. I don't know why they chose that song as it's shameless. And you may be right for Billy and Garth when they get together. And I, I don't know why, but that's that's what it is. So he wasn't singing it. It just was playing on the PA system. No, no, no. He, he also sings it on the special. He sings it. Yeah. But he, he okay. comes out. I mean, it is a good song. Bow down and down and down and ladies and gentlemen, 
come to the stage, Garth. Brooke. You know, and then he comes out and he starts singing it. I can see that as a country song also. That could also work with the twang to it. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's the way he was thinking. It was just kind of funny that he comes out to another Billy Joel song. Like you enter to a Billy Joel. It's very strange. Unless I'm off on this, but that is what the special showed him coming from his dressing room out to the stage, just right out of Spinal Tap. Can't find the stage. <laughs> but he's coming out to another Billy Joel song. I'm not sure what that would say to somebody. Like, it's basically saying, if not for Billy Joel, I wouldn't have this special. Uh, people only know me for Billy Joel. So I guess I'll open with another Billy Joel song. It's brilliant and crazy at the same time. It's really him saying, like, I, I'm mainstream. Trust me, folks who are watching on TV. I'm not just a country guy. I like your music. Here's Billy Joel, a guy just like me. Because he says that he, like, really relates to Billy Joel because Billy did it his own way and never tried to change for the industry. And that's how Garth, I guess, pictured himself, too. I, but, but he'd be mistaken because he did try and change because now he's just all in on whatever Billy Joel does. I'm saying if he at least picked somebody else, a police song or something. I mean, it's odd to pick two Billy Joel songs. Like, come out to, you know, if you want to do the mainstream on NBC, which is what you're looking for, why another Billy Joel song? You know, why not? go with yeah i don't know pick a white snake song or something i don't back then, <laughs> yeah, I, here i go again <laughs> i i don't know it's just kind of it's a very strange selection i'd like to, if we ever had garth brooks on the show i would be very curious to find out why that song and why do it on your first television special yeah that is a good question uh do you have a trivia question for me alon i do my question is about Jimi hendrix yeah. who this song was somehow based on in 1965, Jimi Hendrix briefly played guitar for the band Joey D and the Starlighters, who are known for the song The Peppermint Twist. What actor also played guitar for that same band around the same time? Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> that is not correct. I'll give you, you a sure? hint. He was very big in the 60s. He certainly was. <laughs> this was before this guy was a famous actor, but he was a musician and he, I guess, was a good enough guitar player to be in a band that later Jimi Hendrix was temporarily in. The hint is this actor is in a movie with a very big Billy Joel connection. Mm. Well, it's a good question. I feel like I know who it is. Like, I feel like I've heard this before. It's not Chevy Chase, right? No. <laughs> Right. Oh, no, he was a keyboardist. He played with Steely Dan. Um, hmm. That's a good question. And it's an actor that has a connection to Billy Joel. Can't be Bruce Willis. He's too old and he plays the harmonica or too. He'd be too young. Somebody who was in the 60s and then became big in the 70s, I guess. Right. Yeah. He started becoming known as an actor in the 70s. Is it somebody like a Robert Redford or a Paul Newman? Like that kind of. No, really, this question should be easy. Oh, Dennis Hopper? No. <laughs> oh, P Peter Peter Fonda? No. Oh, you said easy. Oh, Jack Nicholson? Easy. I'll give you a lot of money if you get this right. Some wait, easy Rodney money. Dangerfield used to play the guitar. I'm kidding. Wait, let me wait. Okay, so easy money. Joe Pesci? Yes, Joe Pesci. Shut your face. What? I thought he was a singer. He also played the guitar. 
Yeah, he played guitar and he was in the touring band of Joey D and the Starlighters around the same time that Jimi Hendrix was as well. I'm telling you, this guy, Joe Pesci, is the most interesting person possibly on the planet because he also had a singing career, too. Yeah, he put out his first album in 1968. Isn't that fascinating? I didn't know he played the guitar. I thought you were talking about Easy Rider, so that made it more sense to me. But Easy. Wow. How about that guy? Huh? Isn't he interesting? Very interesting. It's such a strange combination. Well, do you have a parody for this one? Because it's already been parodied by Garth Brooks. Hey, I do have a parody. My parody is called Payless. <laughs> the shoe place? The shoe place. <laughs> okay. I'm at Payless. When it comes to buying shoes, they've got so many pairs to choose at a reasonable price. And I'm standing here for all the mall to see. These shoes are buy one, get one free. So I'm getting lucky twice. You know that my two feet will never feel a pair of shoes made of leather. That is real. These shoes break easy. It's no surprise. They don't even come in the right size. I'm at Payless because, baby, I'm a cheapskate. I'll wear $6 shoes on a date and never hear from you again. I'm at Payless. (laughs) I'm just going to end it there. Hey, now. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. You know, it's so funny you're singing it. And I'm like, wait, is that the melody? I don't even remember. I think I mixed the uh, Garth Brooks and the Billy together. Well, that's one. the thing. I, you know, we're I twanged only it thinking, a little. Yeah, I, we're I mean, it's a very strange Billy Joel song on Billy Joel A to Z. Well, folks, that was shameless. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Does this sound at all like a Jimi Hendrix song? Did Garth Brooks ruin or improve the song for you? How the hell did Garth Brooks win a writing award for Shameless? Right? And would you have preferred an Albert Brooks cover? Yes. Yeah, me too. Ever see a guy say goodbye to a shoe? Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. I have never-